Welcome to Artists of New England. This is a podcast created to inspire you on your journey of artistic expression. Whether you are a career artist, a teacher, an emerging artist, or hobbyist, you can learn and gain support from your peers. We will explore the symbiotic relationship between these groups, lending insight and empathy towards each other. We will discover the where, when, why, and how of the creative process of artists living and working in New England, with occasional bonus interviews with gallery owners, collectors of fine art, and art historians. Perhaps today's show will bring you the aha moment you've been waiting for. Welcome to Artists of New England. I'm your host, Laura Casanari-King, and today I am just delighted to have Tony D'Amico from Fairfield, Connecticut. Correct? Correct. <laughs> All right. How are you, Tony? Uh, I'm fine, Laura. Thanks. Thanks again for inviting me to be on uh, the podcast. Appreciate yeah. it. I'm honored. I think There's been some great artists on there, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be among them. Thank you so much for being on. I think we first touched base, I was thinking about this, almost two years ago to try to connect. And, of course, that was back when I was doing them in person, so it was definitely more difficult. And now, <clears throat> via Zoom, makes things a lot easier for moving targets like you. <laughs> some things have gotten easier in this time. Um, yes, yes. Not much, but some. Got to look at mm. those little shiny, bright things. True. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I first saw your work down at Todd Benita's gallery, and it was, I don't remember what it was. It was a few years back. It was just gorgeous and uh, stood out to me. I said to Todd, who's this guy? Wow. You know, so I uh, really have followed your work and loved your work. Oh, thanks. For many thanks. years. And um, did, tell me about your background. Were you always a New, New Englander? Uh, yeah, um, native, uh, a native New Englander and um, born and raised in uh, Middletown, Connecticut, and um, went to school, went to school there. And uh, I moved about an hour uh, south um, to Fairfield County um, because I was working in Stamford and New York City. So uh, Westchester County, yeah, so. It was a little easier commute. I mean, not that it's an easy commute from here, <laughs> but it's. Uh, but that's how I ended up here. Yeah. But um, you know, people people tend to think that uh, Fairfield County is part of New York versus New England, but yeah. there are still some New Englanders here. Yeah. Right, right. So that explains your beautiful New York scenes that you can kind of get in and out. Can you? Well, it's great because you know, living here, I. Can I can, you know, be up in the Litchfield Hills or, or be on the shore of, um, you know, by Old Saybrook or be in New York City, you know, all kind of within an hour. Nice. So day trips, that's perfect. Mm. Nice. So tell me your earliest, I always love to hear people's earliest remembrance, anything that you remember being artistic, the very first thing you remember. Um, you know, I just, I just always love to draw. I mean, from the time I was very young, um, drawing, doodling in class, uh, sometimes not paying attention, but I can, I can multitask. Um, and honestly, that's the same thing later in my business career. I, during meetings, I would just, you know, just sketch, sketch away and people would think that I'm not listening in the meeting, but, but, but I was, um, I didn't really have any real formal training at, at a young age. Um, I was just encouraged by, by people who liked what I did and, and, uh, and I just kind of took it, took it from there. So nice. um, a formal, really formal education didn't, didn't start till much later. Right. Much later on. So what brought you to that, that formal part? Um, well, I, I, you know, I, I, um, I had very little training in the arts in, in high school or, or, and college. Oh. Uh, I did get a, a, a BA in, in graphic design, but the, the program even when I went to school didn't exist at the time. So, uh -huh. so I took um, half industrial arts and half an teaching, art teaching oh. um, curriculum. Um, so, so the, the industrial arts program was was very helpful because I, I learned 
drafting and perspective and technical drawing. Mm -hmm. um, the teaching side was not as as valuable to me because I did not I didn't want to pursue a teaching career. I wanted to be a commercial artist, okay. and 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 that's what I did. So um, I I took uh, workshops later on. Oh, but right. But a lot of my a lot of my learning was from books like these Watson Guptill books, which taught me how to draw. So I would study these called? books until they're they're worn out. What was that called? They're Watson Guptill. Uh, Ernest Watson. He was an artist, and he did these fantastic pencil drawings. And and um, Arthur Guptill um, did architectural renderings and pen and inks um, and fortunately I, I had you know great experience in in the corporate world which which enabled me to start my own business that that was you know uh, kind of my launch of my career I worked I worked at, at um, Pepsi and Playtex and um, involved in graphics but but uh, again, I was not an artist at the time. Right. So, so you didn't consider yourself an artist at that time, a fine artist, or not really. As you know, everything that I did was uh, specific for promotions or advertising or to support um, the consumer packaged goods that I, you know, yeah. the companies that I worked for. Um, and. Fortunately, my, my work experience in the corporate world enabled me to start my own business, mm -hmm. uh, market promotion business in Southport, Connecticut. And I had clients such as Pepsi and Guinness, um, Tiffany, AT&T, and many others. It was fun, and I worked on some very high-profile high um, promotions, nice. such as the Michael Jackson campaign, Madonna. <laughs> um, for Guinness, we gave a pub uh, pub away in ireland so I went to ireland and bought the pub and, uh, wow gave it away yeah so it, it was it was fun I, it wasn't until until after i sold my business in 2001 that i i started taking um a series of workshops at silvermine um school of art with david dunlop and david was a very inspiring teacher and still is and and a uh, great artist and um, but while I was taking those, I was continuing to do consulting work on on, on the side. Okay. So so I, I would do consulting work for maybe three days a week and do a couple workshops. Um, and that's really when I started painting. Oh, okay. So that those were painting workshops rather painting than... workshops. Okay. Yes. And yeah. and when you but, started doing that, did you ever <clears throat> did you ever think, gee, I'd love to become a fine artist? Well, when 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 I started taking those, that's that's when speaking with David, he, he said, you know, maybe you could do this full full time, and I, and I said, wow, that, you know, that'd be wow. kind of cool. And um, and I eventually worked towards that and became an artist full time in two thousand eight. So. Uh, that was that was that was the turning point. Um, the turning point really also was a plein air workshop with uh, that I took with Don Demers in Florida. Ah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that workshop was so life changing for me. Everything Don said just seemed to really clarify the whole mystery of of painting. Really, and, wow. And, and I left feeling so motivated. Okay. Um, and yeah. since that workshop, Don and I have been, you know, good friends and met a lot of other great, uh, great painters that I consider some of my closest friends. And we get together at least once a year to paint up in, up in Maine, uh, oh, nice. East Booth Bay. Um, you know, we get together, we, we eat, drink, laugh, and have a bond that we're all New Englanders. Right. right. And maybe I shouldn't mention this in this interview, but, but. I'm the only one that's a Yankee fan. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> don't hold that. Don't hold we that against. We won't hold it against you. We <laughs> How could we? <laughs> so I understand Don became kind of a mentor for you, and um, in another interview you did, which if my listeners haven't heard, is fabulous that you did with Leslie and Margaret on uh, Artists Helping Artists. You mentioned in that one that um, Don actually changed your approach to subject matter. So could you tell us a little more about that? When I was taking classes with uh, David Dunlop, his method of painting is totally just totally different it's a reductive more of a reductive process of wiping away paint ah. and and use very very transparent um oil paints uh most of the transparent colors and it has a interesting effect is it makes the painting look extremely luminous mm-hmm. but it's it's wiping away and don's method is adding adding so i had to reverse my my thought process i see and and he also taught me how to really observe really look at things uh really focus so it all kind of came together there's a light bulb you know went off and oh so that's what it is but you know don was great i've had a number of other uh great instructors uh, matt smith tm nicholas um yeah. wow. ray roberts kathy anderson tom hughes you know uh-huh. to name a few yeah nice nice so 2008 you're a newbie no i'm kidding <laughs> 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 that's wonderful i i love it what, what was your greatest challenge in taking that leap into full-time um the the uh other than financial, <laughs> yeah. you know, thankfully I had that other career first that allowed me, allowed yeah. me to do this full time yeah. because it's, it's a, it is a big leap. And my, my wife was very supportive as well. Um, so, so, uh, I guess logistically it wasn't that difficult. And certainly, I was ready. Mm. I, I just, you know, once I had gotten bitten by the <laughs> art bug, I couldn't get it out of my brain. Yeah, I had to pursue it. Yeah. So, and I think most artists feel that way. For sure. Do you ever hit a wall? Do you ever hit a wall and and need some inspiration over the hump? Oh, sure, absolutely. <laughs> what do you I, do? I think we all do. Um, I, everyday life provides inspiration for me, yeah. you know, capturing that, that fleeting moment, you know, often overlooked on canvas. Um, it, it's, it's, it's extremely compelling and that's my goal. Mm-hmm. You know, there are also, you know, many artists in the past that inspire me every day. I would just go through and look, look at their work. Um, the obvious ones, Soroya, Zorn, Sargent, you know, but there are also ones like John Sloan, um, Paul Cornier, Birch Harrison, Edgar Payne, and many other, especially illustrations of the Golden Age. I used to collect illustration art um, from back in the 20s and 30s. Uh, yeah, and- you mentioned that on your website I was reading, and you mentioned the artist. Uh, with, it starts with L-E-Y, who... Inst- oh, Lyndon. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I looked up his work. Fascinating. I had never heard of him. And, and it, 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 Well, people always hear of Rockwell. Right. right? Yeah. Or did this Evening Post covers. Well, Leindecker was, was Rockwell's uh, um, mentor. And, and actually, Norman <clears throat> Rockwell stopped doing Evening Post covers one short of the amount that Leindecker did. <laughs> wow. As a little tribute to him. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was very interesting. So let's talk about mentorship a little bit and your thoughts on it and, you know, should everyone do it and how did it help you, that kind of thing? How did it move you forward? It, it, it helped me from the uh, standpoint that 
that someone, well, first of all, I'm amazed that someone took the interest and the time to do that. And, and almost all the instructors were extremely generous with, with their time. Um, with Dunn, I think it was, it was just a, a factor that, that we both, we got along very well same outlook on life, same sense of humor. Mm. And, and I recommend that pretty much everybody f find that person, um, you know, through, they can expose themselves through different workshops or whatever, find a, find the best person you possibly can out there to help you on your journey. Nice. All right. So, Let's go a little further in your career. How did you start getting into galleries? Um, and, and you belong to a number of prestigious societies and, and associations. So tell us about how that's, you know, helped, how that's helped you personally. And well, it, it doesn't, it doesn't help. That doesn't happen right away. And I think, <laughs> I think a lot of students think, you know, they take one workshop and they're going to, create exactly a painting just like their their instructor and and they want shortcuts to get there it doesn't it, it, it takes a long time of hard work yeah. and passion dedication yeah. to your work and um, and that really that really separates the hobbyist hobbyist to the dedicated professional from dedicated professionals sure. uh, as you as as one improves they continue to enter shows or they get feedback from their peers um, and hard work pays off if you're dedicated and I always say anybody can paint mm -hmm. just like you know it's like playing a musical instrument. It's practice, 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 and then practice some more because uh, eventually you'll see the fruits of your labor, you know, and I think I've been fortunate. Um, I've had the opportunity to, to study hard and by entering shows and through social media, people became aware of my work. I haven't, I'm very glad to say, or fortunate to say that, that I haven't pursued many galleries. Yeah. You know, the galleries that I'm in, they, they've asked me to be there. And I, I'm, I'm very grateful yeah. for that. Yeah. And where did they see your work? Where were they exposed through these? A lot, a lot through Facebook. Really? Okay. Yeah. And the social see your yeah, and and also I, I was a member of Selma Gundy. Uh, I have have been a member for for about eight eight years, eight to ten years. And I think that also uh, has been a good venue for uh, to showcase my work as yeah. well. Nice. So um, one thing you mentioned on the podcast with Leslie and Margaret that you have an extensive library. And I do. I am really curious to know exactly how you use it. I think everyone uses their library differently. And um, just tell us what you do with it. I'm always looking at artwork. If I'm not looking at artwork online, I'm, I'm pouring through my books and some I've had several years. And when I go back and look at those books again, look at them with a whole new set of eyes because, yeah. because my eyes are older in a sense and and more experience and i and i older in a good way um because i, I can i can have a different sense of evaluation uh of, of art and and it keeps me fresh it keeps me you know whenever you said you hit you know, when, when you mentioned I, I hit a roadblock if i just look at some of my books uh some of the uh, artwork from Richard Schmidt, per se, in his landscapes book. Ah, oh, that's how he approached that pine tree. 
you know. Uh, so so it, it's like those are those are like mini workshops each looking at those books. So yeah, yeah. Are they're they open all over your studio or are you kinda organized? I have them on shelves behind behind my uh, easel and um, next to my computer. But but they're often open while I'm painting. Yeah. So that I can I can refer to. Yeah. Do you read all the print that's in there? Sometimes well, I'm, I'm more of a visual person. <laughs> and a print I'm like so guilty about that. Like, I have these great books. I've never really read them, but the pictures are what. <laughs> well, that, that's why art. You know, you want those large pictures in the minimal amount of, of type because you know, <laughs> even though even though some of the verbiage is is useful, they'll talk about how they arrived at a certain passage. But but um, I'm a visual person. Yeah. So, Show me the picture. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Okay, so now I won't feel so guilty about not reading them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk um, about your process. Tell us how you, what you use, how you start. Um, and is your process the same plein air as studio, or how does it differ? Um, it differs slightly, but but <clears throat> I'll talk about you know just the general approach to painting. Uh, or how I choose my next paintings. It's based on variety and challenge. Oh. I'd be terribly bored if I was mastered just one subject and painted the same painting over and over <laughs> again with, with a, a slight variation. You know, yeah. I, 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 if I paint a series of seascapes, then I'll move on to cityscapes, then I'll move on to a straight landscape or, or anything else that presents, presents the challenge of the day. Mm. And then fulfilling specific commissions or gallery requirements takes takes usually takes priority okay. over that. Sure. Um, re, you know, recently I, I moved my studio back into my home. I had rented space in an office building uh, nearby, and although although the, the space was large, I never felt really comfortable there. It, you know, it, it was a typical office, and I was like the oddball artist. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, but at home I could paint any time of day or night. Um, most of my, most of my time, my best time painting is, is usually early morning. Um, and my wife is here and she's also my best critic. And so I'm very grateful to have her true unvarnished assessment of my work at any That's given time. Great. Yeah. So the studio, it, the studio is nicely fitted out. It has custom built-ins and shelving, you know, to accommodate my needs. The downside is that the room is small and the light is not wonderful, but I use corrected lamps to, you know, solve that issue. Okay. Oh, oh. uh, Can I ask what kind of lamps? <laughs> oh, they're just true color, true color lamps. Okay. Yep. Okay. You know, as far as materials go, um, for substrates, I don't like to use canvases because I don't like the flexible nature of the canvas. Yeah, yeah. I prefer panels. So I use source tech number 13 Claussen's linen panels. And I usually put it, I know it sounds crazy to some people, but I, I usually put an extra coating of gambling oil ground on top of the panels because I really like the way it accepts the paint. Oh, okay. Even though they're already primed, yeah. I, I do, I do that anyway. Um, Regarding paints, I, I use Rembrandt's and Old Holland paints with an occasional Winsor Newton or Williamsburg or Michael Harding, depending, depending upon, you know, the specific color or, or what's on sale. Mm -hmm. uh, my palette is uh, usually warm and cool of each, of each color, uh, of each of the primary colors and a couple of earth tones. Okay. And I might, I might use a specialty color thrown in like a, mauve blue shade or a you know a cobalt violet or something like that oh so, nice you know. my brushes i use rosemary brushes i use uh winsor newton um link liquid impasto mm -hmm. uh as a as a medium because it dries uh dries fast and uh, has a slight sheen to it mm -hmm. so those dark colors don't just sink into the canvas ah. and most times i tone the canvas with like a raw, raw umber. Oh, okay. And would you do all that too as well for your panels that go out to, for plein air? Yeah, in plein air, um, the, 
and I, this might come up in one of your other questions, but but um, the process is is a little bit different. Uh, I, without a doubt, do a thumbnail to okay. start. I was going to uh, yes <laughs> because, because if I if I don't if I don't do that, ninety nine percent of the times the the painting is a failure. I have to nail down the design and the value structure okay. prior to putting paint to canvas. Sure. And and I do that I do that in straight studio work too, but a lot of times I'm using my plein air piece as a guide for my studio work. So I've already kind of worked out that design. Right. Right. Nice. And then do you sort of sketch in on your canvas? I sketch in, yep, sketch in, and that's <clears throat> that's the uh, that's the kind of the thrilling stage one where you're making these abstract marks on your canvas and making a, a roadmap basically right. to follow. Right. And how detailed do you get? Is it is it just like you say, very sort of abstract landmarks, or do you get more detail? It, it's um it's somewhat detailed when I'm doing a cityscape because I really want to the important thing is to work out the proper perspective. I can be loose, you know, while I'm painting after, but if I don't nail down that perspective first, it's going to look bad. Mm. I mean, a tree, if you're doing a tree outside and doing a landscape, you know, a tree is could be lopsided, right? It'll still look fine in your lands landscape, but if if a door or roof is really lopsided on a, you know, on a nice new building, it just it it doesn't look like looks like you know it's, it's poorly poorly rendered. Right. So okay, we did. that was great. Thank you for that. <laughs> Didn't yeah. have to pull it out of you. Sometimes I, <laughs> sometimes I really have to dig. That was awesome. Um, Okay, great. What about, uh, where was I going? Oh, I know, I had a question. Some people do, um, you know, like painting exercises. Do you ever do that on a regular basis or maybe hit or miss here and there? And if so, what? I don't, I don't, I don't have anything uh, hard, fast, and concrete that's a painting exercise. But prior to starting a, maybe a larger studio piece, I'll just take out one of my incomplete plein air pieces and just work on that just to get, just to loosen, just to loosen up nice. prior to starting that larger pain. Okay. So it's nothing specific. Like I'm like, uh, I think Etsy Wyeth used to, used to do an exercise of, of uh, a still life mm -hmm. prior to one of his large canvases. Um, but I don't have anything, anything hard, fast, and concrete like that that I do. Okay, so these two tie together. How do you know when it's finished, first? And second, you talked about your parameters of evaluation, which I thought was fantastic. Your uh, design, great design, not just design, great design, you said. Well, I'll say that, it to me, the whole thing starts, it starts with design. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's, it's really, really important and uh, as is I'll emphasize drawing skills as well mm. and if a lot of people just want to become painters I would say well, learn to draw learn to draw first because mm. that that is uh, that and design is, is is an extremely important factor in getting the result of a successful painting um, the process of painting is kind of a roller coaster of emotions, and I touched upon it. Like stage stage one is the excitement and intimidation of looking at a blank canvas, right? Yes. Stage two is the pure joy of painting the expressive marks at the block end. Um, stage three is the downer of the middle stage, uncertain certain as to whether this is going to be a successful endeavor or a, or a bomb yes. or a scrape. Scraper, you know, stage four is the elation of thinking that this might be my best painting ever. <laughs> I love it. 
And stage five, just one more touch up or have I overworked it and destroyed the, the whole thing? No. I don't know if that really answered your question, but. That sums it up. That's great. Well, I was referring to, so let me refresh your memory. In, um, okay. in the uh, podcast with Leslie and Margaret, I'll refer to them again. <clears throat> you gave the five parameters of evaluation. Excuse me. <laughs> it was uh, design values, temperature, and, oh, sorry, four, and reverse brush strokes. So um, is that something that you think about with every painting or only something that maybe you can't resolve and you're having a hard time figuring out what the issue is? Or? That's, that's, that, is the, that is the critical assessment pretty much with every painting. Okay. Every painting because, because the, all those components come into play in every, every piece of work that you do. Yeah, yeah. Now sometimes, sometimes it, you know, uh, especially outside, you just have this moment that the you know this time period that the painting just paints it paints itself. Yeah. Like, wow, how did that happen? Yeah. You know, um, and uh, it, and all of those components come together, but you still you still evaluate it based on that criteria. Sure, sure. Talk a little bit, if you would, about temperature. I always have a harder time understanding temperature than anything else. Very easy hot or cold yeah value light or dark it's, it's if you break it down into into just something like that yes, it doesn't I matter what it doesn't matter the color yeah right right if you if you see a scene outside and you break it into light or dark warm or cool mm. you could paint that with a you know a whole high key palette and it still looks looks fantastic you know nice and your bravura brav, i can't even say it right brav, bravura brush strokes <laughs> when do those come in are those like the final swipes or are they kind of it you know it can come into play while you're painting as long as it as long as it lasts because you know you might cover it up um and then when you do the final assessment you might you know just just soften that edge and pull it, you know, pull it into the other shape um, so that it just creates a mood, an emotion. Yeah. Usually, usually I'd say probably more towards the final stages. Okay. And uh, how about working in series? You, you typically do, you've got your three main uh, landscape, seascape, cityscape. I think you said earlier you tend to stick with one for a while, uh, or or I'll alter it, uh, alternate it with with uh, uh, you know just every other painting. Just depends on my mood. Uh, yeah. What I'm doing. I, I I do have a series uh, planned of large cityscapes, uh, large format cityscapes coming up. Um, but, uh, so are you going to take a big canvas plein air or are you going to go out and do some, no, I, I'll, I'll do my, I'll do my studies. I'll do some plein air studies and, uh, and then work them up to a large size. And I don't really work that large. I, I, my, my largest paintings normally are 16 by 20 or 20 by 24, unless, unless I've got, uh, a specific commission and part of that is because of the limitations i have with space sure. as well yeah yeah i understand that one all right let's move on to a little bit of teaching so um i did learn and i i was fascinated to hear you still take workshops yourself which is i think a wonderful thing for um our higher level people <laughs> continue doing you know i have always thought it was I think I admire those those teachers more who actually also continue to study with other people. Well, we, as artists, we, we always continue to learn, right? We, we never stop learning. Um, it just can't live long to get to live long enough to get to get all that you want to do that done in your in your head. That's right. And and. There's so many great artists out there that there's always something to learn 
and if anybody says that they've learned it all, I think, you know, they're just blowing smoke. Uh, they, they got a huge ego that, that uh, I wouldn't want to deal with them anyway. But, but um, in all the workshops I've taken, you, you take a nugget of, inf of information or knowledge from each of those artists and you put it in your bag of tricks sure. to use later on. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And what do you... What do you try to strive to have your students, like if there's one thing you want every student to walk away from your workshop with, what is that? Um, I, I would say to learn how to observe and focus. Mm. Probably that's a, probably the, the most important thing. And it, it's not something that, that comes right away. It's, it just happens, happens over time. And especially working in plain air, the more you paint outside, the better, the better that, that you, you the more you hone that skill set. Um, often you hear complaints from many students or, you know, painters just starting out especially when you go to a, a site outside and they'll say, well, there's nothing to paint, nothing interesting to paint here. Yeah. You know? But there's always something of interest. Yeah. And the problem is, is that they're not looking hard enough. You know, they're, they're, they want to capture the entire scene where it might be just a, a little detail you can hone in on and, uh, and really observe that little detail and do a good job, you know, with just that one little piece, it'll make your life a lot easier than trying to capture that whole scene. Painting in New York City is is uh, is a is a great it's a great training ground for that that's overload. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. That's why it's a great training ground because it forces you to tune out all the details and the distractions and concentrate just on your subject matter. Yeah. You have a limited amount of time. You have to set up out of the way of all these people that are rushing by you, and uh, and that's why that's why I enjoy painting on the street more. That I can tuck tuck away into a little corner or something, kind of out of people's way. And they're busy, so they're going they're going by you, and they're not stopping to talk really or whatever. So, but you got to tune out like all that all that detail um, and you see learn to prioritize in order to achieve you know your objective uh, it's not always about making that finished painting yeah right you know it's all learning it's all learning experience and you're you're, you're trying to capture experience or an emotion not only on the canvas but in your mind that stays in your mind because mm -hmm. then you can use that physical and mental recording, right? The physical being the painting that you've done outside, the mental being the memory, you know, recording back in the studio to relive again when you do a large work from that piece. And what would you tell students who just don't like to paint outside? I mean, they just real hate, real inversion. If they just hate it, what do you tell them? How do you, how do you just stick with it because eventually you'll see that it's going to ground your paintings. Mm -hmm. It's going to, you're going to relive that experience again when you're back in the studio and it'll make your, your, your studio paintings more genuine, uh, honest, and real. I see. And do you ever take photos yourself when you're out and then? Oh, sure I do. I mean, it says that, you know, that, that they're, you know, I mean, there are artists that, that are against photography, using photography. And I am, <clears throat> I, I use them at purely as a additional source of reference because, you know, can I remember every single right. thing that's going on out there? No, I can't. But also don't be a slave to it because, because you have to, create something uh don't you know don't just copy because mm -hmm. you want to arrange 
design something that's going to be, make a successful painting. Mm -hmm. So if there's a telephone pole in right in your view, you know, you're not going to put that telephone pole in there. Just, mm -hmm. just take it out. And who's going to know the difference? You want to create a beautiful painting. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. Nice. And what do you think, uh, if someone asked your students what your superpower is as a teacher, what do you think they would say about you? I would say very approachable. Mm -hmm. And there's no question that's a bad question. Yeah. Because, mm -hmm. because we're, all, we're all in that position at one point in time. Right. You know? And, uh, you know, many people were generous in sharing their skills with me, and I feel exactly the same way. So I'd be, you know, glad to help whoever and wherever that person is on their journey. Yeah, that's great. Okay, marketing. Let's move on to the big marketing. <laughs> what do you find? I mean, you mentioned Facebook. You said people found you on there, but uh, surely they saw that there was a lot of action happening. <laughs> so well, they were, you were, you were, you know, posting paintings, you were posting, um, I mean, your website has a long list of accolades. You, oh, and congratulations on the 10th annual plein air salon. Oh, you, that came out. <laughs> I got out last week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, congratulations. Of oh. you know, what I mean, that painting is just so phenomenal. Oh, thanks. It's, Appreciate it's just that. That, that uh, you're, you're talking about the, the, uh, the shadow of the city. That one is it? That one, no. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, so okay. one more than one. Okay, hang okay. on. Now I'm on your Instagram, and this one is the rookie. Oh, the rookie. Okay, yeah. So, okay, so, so I gave it away that I got another one. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, two. that's well, actually it'll be out by the time this podcast comes out because oh. that, that's for this past month. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. Thank you. It's, thank you. It's stunning. And I was reading through the comments and I saw somebody asked, is that such and such a bar? And you said, no, you had just stopped and somewhere and had gone downstairs, snapped a photo in a, and it looks like they're getting set up. You said it was around 4 PM and, it's just, right. just a stunning little shot there. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Um, and again, it's, it's fun to capture those, those little intimate moments in yeah. time that, again, they just kind of blur, blur past, right? They right. just kind of blur by and, and, uh, and you don't take the time to really stop and say, wow, that's kind of a cool, you know, right. moment there to capture. Nice. How do you sneak these photos? I just went in and just snapped it real quick. And my wife, where are you going? She's, you know, where are you going? Just a minute. I'll just, just take one minute, you know. So. And we were on our way. And, um, and then later when I was reviewing the photos, I said, well, that could possibly make, make for a nice painting. So, uh, yeah, move some elements around. And it was, you know, the results were pretty good. So. Nice, nice. So uh, what do you think is your best form of marketing? Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I think there's a couple things. Um, I'm grateful to be in the those the physical galleries. And, mm -hmm. and I think the gallery owners, they're great people. They work very, very hard um, to promote their artists. It's important to ha ideally have representation in physical galleries as well as a strong presence on social media. Mm -hmm. um, and I sell work through, you know, through both uh, venues. Um, I use Facebook, Facebook and Instagram to a great degree, just to really showcase new work and hopefully drive potential collectors to my galleries and, and, and my website. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, a lot of people have issues with, with Facebook, but I use it strictly for my artwork. Mm -hmm. um, I skip over political messages or recipes or <laughs> people have, you know, problems with their knees or whatever. Um, skip over that stuff or block it or whatever. 
and I uh, also I, I I love being able to view what other artists are doing out there as well. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're aware of Samuel Cherubin, um, he's he's a guy in Brazil that has tremendous taste in in art, and he showcases art from artists all around the world, and it's mind blowing. Um, How do you spell his last name? C-H-E-R-U-B-I-N. So um, just follow him and see what artwork he, he shows on there. It's, it's, uh, it's, wow. it's a real pleasure to, you know, yeah. to see what's going on. But um, so I also use, you know, I use LinkedIn a little bit to, to a minor degree. Um, and I don't really that much but i'd say facebook and instagram are the, the big big ones in addition to my own website so. mm-hmm. nice and it has been brought to my attention that you are a man of integrity in that if someone discovers you at a gallery and buys off your website you go ahead and give the the gallery a commission is that right well <laughs> you talk to someone i know <laughs> uh, uh well, I think that's that's only fair. Yeah. I mean, they, that's only fair. The 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 gallery is is um, investing in you, so you should return on that. Yeah. Investment. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a a great thing to bring out because I think that is a, I I agree with you. You know, a hundred percent. Um. So success. What is success for you as an artist? Mm-hmm. Well, success to me is, is acquiring the skills to, to get to the next level. And although that's difficult to say what, to define what that, what is that next level? An artist, you know, accumulates signs of their progress along the way. Um, it might be through the, you know, uh, peer reaction, uh, acceptances, rejections, awards, sales, um, but that mm-hmm. defines success. Nice. You, you kind of, you can evaluate again, do that, you know, critical self evaluation saying, okay. And you can certainly see it from year to year. Yeah. In your own work. But will we ever achieve where we want to be? No, that's the beauty of being an artist. Yeah. Because you never stop. <laughs> You're never bored. Yeah. Always reaching for that level. Right, right, nice. All right, I love to hear the funniest or strangest plein air stories. I bet you've got a few. <laughs> okay, I've got, I've got, I've got one. Uh, I've got two actually. Okay. I, you know, belonging to the Salmagundi Club, which is a, again a great, beautiful historic uh, club in New York City. I'm very grateful to be a member there. And one day, a few of us. Uh, we're painting in Washington Square Park, uh, which is, you know, a block away. And a friend who, who was painting next to me, she stowed her supplies and her lunch under her easel, and we we're both intensely focused on our respective subject matter. Um, and we didn't notice that a woman walking near us uh, was walking with her large sheepdog on a leash. Uh, the dog decided at that moment to lift its leg and release <laughs> itself all over my friend's gear. And my friend, she screamed, and the dog owner just looked at her and nonchalantly strolled away. Never said he was sorry, nothing, nothing. Oh, you that's know. awesome. But he said, okay, we're in New York. That's just, you know. <laughs> it's another oh. unforgettable experience. Yeah. Wow. So one, one other quick one is that I was in um, Port Clyde, Maine, painting with, with a bunch of friends. Uh, my friend Mary Erickson um, runs, she, she has this art community that she runs each, each year that uh, she rents a, a large house in Port Clyde. And each week is a revolving group of artists that mm. Uh, stay up there. So I was up there with these friends and we're, I was painting the surf by the Marshall Point Lighthouse. 
and I had my back to the road and facing the uh, water. So I'm painting a seascape, and and this person behind me says, "Did you, did you, did you paint that by numbers?" And I and I thought it I thought it was one of, I thought it was one of my friends behind me, kind of just goofing. Yeah. And I, I was just ready to get have some like wise guy answer, like a wise remark back. Right. And I turned, and it was a young. Amish family, <laughs> and I said, I said, uh, you know, I, I, he's uh, thinking in my own head, well, he's real serious. So I proceeded to explain, you know, my process. And, uh, wow! Uh, oh uh, my god, that was a, that's a good clean story. <laughs> <laughs> Almost went the other way. <laughs> Shocked some poor Amish people. Yeah, I have plenty of other ones, but that, that'll do for now. Oh, gosh. Very fun. Great. And what else would you say to artists on their journey? My best advice, really, is to be a voracious learner. Be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. assess Assess your strengths and your weaknesses. Don't be afraid to reach out to someone whose ability and candor that you respect. Read and study work of artists that you admire. Take a workshop again from the best possible teacher that you can afford. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to use more paint. <laughs> use quality art supplies. Draw and sketch plenty. Yeah, yeah. I love the one about being afraid to use more paint. Why do we do that sometimes? <laughs> I don't know, but that 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 really hinders it hinders yeah. your ability to mm-hmm. to move the paint around and and you know be more expressive. Yeah, and trying to spread out that <laughs> that thin layer just doesn't just doesn't work. Yeah, and the sketching, you know, I I uh, I always I try I start and then I drop off, but I I do try to to do the uh, sketch a day, just nothing, you know. <laughs> it's anything. It's, it's relaxing to me. I mean, people might look at my, my pencil drawings or whatever and think that, wow, they're so intricate. To me, it's like, it's like so relaxing, much yeah. more relaxing than, than painting for me. Yeah, yeah. Painting's hard. <sighs> I agree. <laughs> um, well, I look forward to the day we can start doing workshops again in person. I would definitely love to do one of yours. So, oh, thanks, Laura. I hope that's coming up in the future for, for all. Of Maybe. You. Maybe. <laughs> Thank you again so very much for being on. Oh, my pleasure. It's a pleasure talking to you, and and uh, hopefully uh, this information will be useful. Oh, so. definitely. Yes. Thank you so much. If you found inspiration from today's show, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share it with a friend or two on social media. Also, take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes or share your takeaways from today's show on artistsofnewengland.com under today's episode. And while you're there, you'll find links to the topics mentioned in today's show. And don't forget to peruse the growing library of podcasts and resources. Thanks for listening. you got beauty to share with the world that no other human has. So get in the ring and pick up that brush.